Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's August 25th, 2022, and that means there's only four months left until Christmas. Today on the show, it's our 100th episode, and we're going to be talking about the most controversial Christmas song around, Baby, It's Cold Outside. We'll also tell you how to get some Christmas humor in your life, and count down the top five non-Christmas songs that should be love actually into Christmas songs. Don't worry, it'll make sense when we get there. Let's start the show! Yule Believers, thank you for joining me here on the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the show all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. This is actually our 100th episode. Do you realize that if you listen to all the episodes of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast back to back to back, you would quickly get tired of the sound of my voice? Too late. Hey, imaginary listener, sounds kind of like Carpet the Frog. Congratulations on 100 episodes. You've actually been here since the beginning. What can I say? You'll always be my ninth favorite Christmas podcast hosted by a third tier stand-up comedian. Thanks, that really means a lot. Well, let's get this 100th episode started with our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now! We need a This tip to bring a little Christmas into your life right this very minute comes from Kira. She sent this in for our listener feedback special last month, and we didn't get around to it, so I wanted to share it this time. She says, I'm not sure if you've mentioned this on a prior episode. My husband Harry and I use our Google Home devices to add a little Christmas to our day. Just say, hey Google, tell me a Christmas joke, and Santa will tell you a joke. Sometimes his elves have little quips thrown in there too. There are a lot of other things Google does for Christmas, but that isn't usually till later in the year. If you ask to speak to Santa before then, Google will play a little holiday jingle and tell you to check back later. Thanks again for the show, Kira and Harry. Well, thank you, Kira and Harry. I don't actually have any Google Home devices, but a few weeks ago, I was at a party at someone's house, and they did. Oh, you didn't test this out in the middle of someone's party, did you? Not only did I test it out, I recorded it for us all to enjoy. This is why you don't get invited to parties. Oh, hush up and listen. Hey, Google. Tell me a Christmas joke. Santa's got a joke for you. Why did the snow people go to the carrot patch? To pick their noses! <laughs> Need a tissue, Santa? Because that joke's not funny. <laughs> Donna thought it was funny. Totally worth it. Thanks again for the tip, Kira. And now it's time for our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. Five. for Christmas joined TikTok last year, and so every so often we'll post a video jumping on a popular trend that's going around on that app. At the beginning of August, there was this one going around where people were showing off fictional songs that they considered to be real music. 
And by fictional songs, they mean songs that were made in the world of the movie or TV show. Some good examples were the song That Thing You Do from the movie of the same name or that Powerline song from a goofy movie. For mine, I picked Christmas is All Around from Love Actually. I think I talked about this on the Sounds of Christmas podcast recently, but I like that song completely unironically. And it's such a simple concept. They just took an existing song and changed a few words around to make it about Christmas. Then I had the thought, if they could do that with Love is All Around, surely you could do that with other songs. Ooh, whole lot of shoe leather on that setup, baby. Hey, alleged ghost of Bing Crosby, what was that about shoe leather? That's an old expression. Just means it was a long walk to set up that premise for this top five list. Well, it'd be slightly shorter if you weren't interrupting. My bad, baby. Do your thing. Okay, so with that admittedly long intro out of the way, I present the top five non-Christmas songs that should be love actually into Christmas songs, starting with... Number five. My Girl. I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I'll ride on Santa's sleigh. was almost too easy. I just followed the template of Christmas is all around. Take a love song, swap out the object of the singer's affection with Christmas, and boom! You've got a song about loving Christmas. You could argue that it works even better since My Girl and Christmas have the same amount of syllables, unlike love and Christmas. Number four. Everything I do, I do it for you. Look into my eyes and you will see what Christmas means to me Search your heart Search your soul When you find Christmas there You'll search no more Don't tell me it's not worth fighting for I do it for you. Oh, yeah. Okay, my horrible Brian Adams impression aside, this one is a bit more of an awkward fit, but it still works. Also, I love a good Yule you swap, so I couldn't resist that. Though, I have to admit, later in the song, Brian sings that he would die for you, and that seems like a little bit much for a Christmas song, and I have to confess I haven't figured out how to rewrite that part yet, but I'm sure I'll figure it out before they hire me for the Love Actually remake. Number three. Another part of me. We're sending out a major love, and this is our message to you. The presents are lining up, they're all under the tree. They're all in line, waiting for you. You gotta say, it's just another Christmas day. This one just made me laugh. The idea that taking a song that was written for a 3D movie at Disneyland that became a number one hit in regular people land and then turn it into a Christmas song, priceless. Instead of just singing to aliens, we're singing to elves now. It totally works. 
Number two. Celebration. Celebrate Christmas. Come on. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. The Christmas party's going on right here. A celebration, it happens every year. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We gonna celebrate your Christmas party with you. Come on now. Celebration. Let's all celebrate this glad Christmas time. Come on now. Celebration. Let's all celebrate this glad Christmas time. This one was so easy, it almost felt like cheating. I feel like people do mini rewrites to this song all the time at weddings, at New Year's Eve parties, office parties. Someone will grab the mic and start singing about whatever event you're at. So why not sing about Christmas? It's a great thing to celebrate. Number one. September. Do you remember the 25th night of December? I've had this stuck in my head ever since I thought this idea up. I feel like there are so few Christmas songs with that 70s funk vibe. We mostly get a lot of 40s and 50s, a smattering of the 80s, and Michael Buble and Mariah Carey. This would be a great way to bring some of that 70s funk to Christmas Town. And that's my list! Have any other ideas for regular songs that could easily be converted into Christmas songs? Let me know! Shoot an email to christmas at tancast.com or leave a comment at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now a word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. This season on the Advent Calendar House. Gadgets, toys, greed, Everest. We tackle a new holiday special every day from December 1st through Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, TV's Playhouse. Joker here. From the must-watch Christmas classics. The Grinch. To the lost treasures at the bottom of the discount DVD bin. Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Join me at adventcalendar.house and on the Christmas Podcast Network. I love it. Welcome back. So as I said before... This is the 100th episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, and I had a hard time deciding what to choose as a topic for today. My instinct was to play it safe and pick some super popular holiday movie that everybody loves. But then I remembered that playing it safe is boring. So I'm courting controversy today as we wade hip deep into the troubled waters of a song that is a lightning rod for passionate debate. So if you're brave enough, throw on a warm coat and join me because, baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold outside. But baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been hoping that you drop me so I'll hold your hands, they're just like ice. So I've talked about this song on the show before when it was in the news because radio stations had removed it from rotation back in 2018. My stance then was that both sides were overreacting, which I still agree with, but I have more thoughts on this controversy as well. But we'll get to that later. First, let's actually talk about the song. The tale of the song goes all the way back to 1944 in New York City. New York City? Wow. I may be talking about the 40s, but that 
is a dated reference. Anyway, there was a young married couple, Frank Lesser and Lynn Garland, and they were having a housewarming party. Back then at parties, people expected you to put on a show for your guests. Singing, dancing, telling jokes. It wasn't enough to put out some crudité and play pin the tail on the donkey. You had to get all up in that spotlight. So Frank wrote Baby It's Cold Outside, and Frank and Lynn performed it together at the end of their party. It was definitely a success. According to Lynn, well, the room just fell apart. I don't think either of us realized the impact of what we'd sung. We had to do it over and over again, and we became instant parlor room stars. We got invited to all the best parties for years on the basis of Baby. It was our ticket to caviar and truffles. Parties were built around our being the closing act. And it would have stayed just their party song had not Frank sold the song to MGM in 1948. And it was first performed on screen in the 1949 film Neptune's Daughter by stars Esther Williams and Ricardo Montalban. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. Come! Oops, sorry. <laughs> Wrong Montalban clip. Here we go. I simply must go. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is but no. Baby, it's cold outside. The welcome has How been. lucky that you dropped so in. nice and warm. Look out the window at that storm. Now, Frank selling the song did not sit well with Lynn. To her, that was their song, and it really bothered her that other people were singing it. In their daughter Susan's book, A Most Remarkable Fella, Frank Lesser and the Guys and Dolls in His Life, a portrait by his daughter. Whew, that title is a mouthful. Anyway, in Susan's book, her mother Lynn is quoted as saying, I felt as betrayed as if I'd caught him in bed with another woman. I kept saying, Esther Williams and Ricardo Montalban? He finally sat me down and said, if I don't let go of baby, I'll begin to think I can never write another song as good as I think this one is. So he had to let go of it. Now, in case you didn't follow that just now, I was quoting the daughter who was quoting her mother, who was in turn quoting her husband. That was like quoteception. Well, I don't know if it was worth having to sleep on the couch for Frank, but it was definitely a good career move for Frank. The song won an Oscar. Not only that, it made its way onto the Billboard Top 20 multiple times. See, Dinah Shore and Buddy Clark did a version in February of 1949. Margaret Whitting and Johnny Mercer did a version in March of 1949. Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Jordan dropped a version in April of 1949, as did Don Coral and Laura Leslie with Sammy Kay and his orchestra. Alice Fahey and Phil Harris released a version in May of 1949. Then, somewhere in there, Lynn Garland and Frank Lesser recorded and released themselves singing the song they'd been singing at parties for years. And then, of course, the film Neptune's Daughter comes out with Williams and Montalban's version in June of 1949. And technically, there was one more version of the song, which you'll know if you heard our April 2021 episode where we had film critic for The Wrap and ultimate Christmas movie authority Alonzo Giralde on to talk about Christmas and the Oscars. Here's a clip to refresh your memory. It, it, interesting, the way that it's presented in the film, I think, kind of speaks to the debate that's been going on every December that we've all decided to argue about every year about, you know, the what the song's attitudes are about men and women, uh, because as it's presented in Neptune's daughter, which is a, an MGM musical starring Esther Williams, um, the song, the first part of the song is done by Esther Williams and Ricardo Montalban, who is, you know, who was kind of trying to put the make on her. And the whole thing about this song is that it's about a, it's about a woman who wants to stay at a man's apartment, but, 
society and conventions are forcing her to pretend that she doesn't. Um, and so the whole back and forth of this song is, is a, is, is a flirtation, you know? Uh, and then the second half of the song is performed by Betty Garrett as the would be seducer, um, singing it to red buttons, who is trying to like, you know, possibly stay or not stay. So that's eight versions of the song being released in less than six months. The music industry was weird back in the day. Can you imagine that happening today? Like Beyonce comes out with a song and then a month later, Taylor Swift puts out the same song. And then the next month, Adele. And then the next month, Lizzo. And then a movie comes out and Jennifer Hudson and J-Lo are singing that exact same song. Our collective heads would explode. But apparently in 1949, eight versions of the same song was no big deal. And now... We come to the most frustrating part of doing research on a song like this. You may have noticed all the versions of Baby It's Cold Outside have one thing in common. They're all the same song. They have a lot of things in common. Fair point. But they have something else in common. None of them were released anywhere near Christmas. February, March, April, May, and June. Most of those months aren't even really cold weather months in the U.S. And in case you're thinking that Neptune's Daughter is a Christmas movie, let me disabuse you of that notion right now. It has zip to do with Christmas. So how did this become a Christmas song? I have no idea. And this comes up time and time again when I look into songs that aren't about Christmas but have become Christmas standards. Inevitably, all the articles on the backstory of the song will describe its origins and then say the song became associated with Christmas because of its wintry theme. Okay, but that's not an answer of how that happened. Like, how did it make that change? The closest I can come to an answer on that is Bing Crosby did a version of the song on his radio show on December 14th, 1949. Maybe that's how it became tied to Christmas? That's right, baby. Once Bing sings a song at Christmas, that's a Christmas song forever. Sure. It says here you sang it with James Stewart. As in Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart? Correctamundo. Have a listen. This evening has been Been hoping that you'd drop so in So very nice I'll hold your hands there just like I ice. ought to say no, no, no Mind if I move in At closer. least I'm gonna say that I try oh, What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay Oh, baby, don't hold up oh, baby, baby, it's cold it became a Christmas song. The combined forces of Bing Crosby and George Bailey are unbeatable. But no matter how it got there, it's definitely in the Christmas song canon now. If you thought there were a lot of covers back in 1949, it only blew up further from there. So many people have covered this song. Louis Armstrong, Sammy Davis Jr., Bette Midler, Tom Jones, Dolly Parton, Michael Buble. I could go on forever. Yeah, we wish you wouldn't. But perhaps the version that is most associated with this song is the Dean Martin version that we used to start off this segment. So the song has made it into the pantheon of Christmas standards. That's usually the end of the story. But not for this song. As I mentioned at the top, this song has become a controversial one in recent years. Are you really going to go into this? I mean, if we're going to talk about this song, we can't leave this aspect of it out. It's ironic that this song is so controversial now, because back in 1949, it was actually the safe choice. When the producers of Neptune's Daughter were looking for a song for their film, they originally were going to use a different Frank Lesser song, On a Slow Boat to China. But that one was deemed too risque for movie audiences back then. So, when you look at the lyrics of this song, you have to put yourself in the mindset of 1940s America. This was a song of flirtation. The woman doesn't want to leave, and the man's not forcing her to stay. She is lamenting the societal pressures that would have her go, even though she wants to stay. I think it becomes clear when the woman's part is isolated, like in this scene from the movie Elf. Real 
My mother will start to worry And father will be pacing the floor So really I'd better scurry Well, maybe just a half a drink more The neighbors might think Say, what's in this drink? I wish I knew how to break the spell I ought to say no, 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 Mind if I move in? At least I'm gonna say that I tried. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. Ironically, that scene is kind of creepy in a whole different way, but that's a discussion for a whole nother episode. But when you listen to just her side, you notice that at no point is she singing about how she doesn't want to be there, only that society says she shouldn't be there. Audiences at the time understood that. But that was then, and while we can understand and contextualize the meaning of these lyrics at the time, we only have our current ears to hear these lyrics with. And society's understanding of consent has evolved since the 1940s. Not only that, words and phrases to evolve to have different meanings over time. I know it seems far out, Daddy-O, but that is straight no cap. I'm begging you to stop that. All I'm saying is, things change. And so, as newer generations looked at the lyrics to Baby It's Cold Outside, they found that the words don't sit right to the modern ear. With lines like the woman saying, the answer is no, and yet the song goes on for several more verses with the male singer seemingly unfazed. Or the male singer singing, how can you do this thing to me? Which today reads like he feels like he's owed something. Which, to be clear... He is not. These and other examples were noticed and started to be talked about on blogs and in articles in the early 2000s. In 2007, the humor website Funny or Die put up a video of Scott Ackerman and Casey Wilson singing the song while acting out the scenario of the woman trying to escape and the man not letting her. The song ends with Casey walloping Scott with a shovel and announcing... This is Casey Wilson reminding you this is a completely inappropriate song. Happy Holidays. In 2012, Key and Peele did a sketch singing a song called Just Stay for the Night, which sounded very similar to Baby It's Cold Outside, but just different enough not to get sued. In their sketch, the band's intentions became more and more sinister as the song goes on. I personally was involved in making jokes at this song's expense and the way the lyrics sound to the modern ear. While doing research for this, I found an old stand-up joke of mine from 2013 where I made a passing reference to Baby It's Cold Outside as the blurred lines of the holiday season. And I'm leaving out a ton of examples, but more and more, the sentiment that this song definitely gives off a creepy vibe was starting to become more and more prevalent. But what Susan Lesser thinks actually soured people on the song was one lyric and its association with one guy. She told NBC News in 2018, Bill Cosby ruined it for everybody. And indeed, back in 2014 and 2015, South Park and Saturday Night Live respectively both did parodies of Baby It's Cold Outside with Bill Cosby singing the male role. With combined with the woman singing, what's in this drink, you can see what the issue would be. I don't know if South Park and or SNL is to blame, but the association stuck. According to Lesser, ever since Cosby was accused of drugging women, she hears Baby It's Cold Outside associated with that kind of behavior all the time. But to also give that line some context, what's in this drink was kind of a stock line back in the day. It didn't mean like, oh, hey, have you slipped something into my drink? It was more of a comment of someone who maybe wasn't used to drinking and was like, oh, what's in this drink? Implying that this drink is so strong. And usually the joke was there was little to no alcohol in the drink they were drinking. So that was the joke being made that, that again, the audiences of the 1940s understood. But now when we hear what's in this drink, it has a completely different connotation. 
Then we get to the Me Too movement, and the song was pulled from rotation on several radio stations in 2018. This led to a backlash and proponents of the song demanding it be added back. In fact, the streaming numbers for the song were much higher in 2018 than they had been for years. But several artists saw an opportunity. They recorded new versions of the song where they rewrote some of the lyrics to emphasize consent. Some of the more notable ones were musicians Lydia Liza and Josiah Lemansky, who went viral for doing their take on the song in 2016. I really can't stay Baby, I'm fine with that I've got to go away Baby, I'm cool with that And John Legend and Kelly Clarkson famously released a modernized version in 2019. And I have to confess that doing the research for this part of this segment made me legit angry. These altered versions got a ridiculous amount of backlash. Moreover, I would say they got a ridiculous amount of disingenuous backlash. Because, look, I get it. If you like the original song the way it is, you've contextualized it or rationalized it so the lyrics don't bother you, that's great. But these artists changed the lyrics to something more modern, and I want to be clear, both of these alternate versions are played for laughs. My mama will start to I'll call the car and tell him to hurry. My daddy will be pacing the floor. Wait, what are you still living home so really But when I was watching and reading old interviews about these songs, people were hopping mad saying it was insulting and outrageous. Okay, first of all, if changing the words to a song to get a laugh is such a horrible thing, I guess I'm in trouble, because I just spent a whole segment doing that five times. And also, last time I checked, Weird Al Yankovic was one of our most beloved national treasures, and you're not going to tell me different. Secondly, I saw Dean Martin's daughter complaining about the remakes, saying they were absurd and offensive. To who and why? It's just a few more interpretations of the song. Are you really saying we don't have room for a few more versions of this song? There were nine of them released in 1949 alone. There are already plenty of interpretations of the song that you don't listen to every year. These folks just added about two more to your list. Is that really such a big deal? There was only one thing that was offensive about the Leza and Lemansky version of this song, and that was the male singer's response to What's in This Drink, because it was Say, what is this drink? I'm a granite lacrosse that's offensive. LaCroix tastes like it was created by someone who'd never actually tasted a fruit, but just read it about him in books. LaCroix tastes like tap water that's been haunted by the ghosts of citrus past. LaCroix... Tim, 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 I think you've made your point. But I have a whole notebook page of LaCroix jokes. I know, buddy, but we're talking about Baby It's Cold Outside, remember? Right, right. Well, to sum up, I'm going to fall back on a tried and true motto. Art is subjective. So however you feel about the song Baby It's Cold Outside whether the original or the reimagined versions, you're right. You're allowed to love it or hate it or anything in between. But let's just try and be respectful of each other when we have these discussions. Because wouldn't it be great if this song that started out as a way for a married couple to entertain party guests became a catalyst for honest and productive discussions about appropriate behavior and consent? I know that's not what it was written for, but then it wasn't written to be a Christmas song either, and yet here we are. So let's continue to listen to the music that we like and talk to each other with grace and humility and not shut anyone out because, baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold. Baby, it's cold outside. Okay, fine. Just another drink then. (laughs) I took a lot of convincing. And that's our 100th show. Sharp-eared listeners may have noticed that we skipped the Recastmas segment this month. 
That was due to a couple of factors. Part of it is we got a lot going on in the Bab household at the moment. I also really did change topics for today's episode practically at the last minute, so I had to focus a lot of time on writing and researching and putting this together. But mostly, we haven't gotten a ton of responses to how you recast the classic Rudolph Claymation special. So I'm giving us all some extra time. Send in your recast miss ideas for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you can hear them on our Burr Months bonus episode in a few weeks. Yep, I'm going to try and get some more episodes out so we can maybe reach 200 episodes faster than we made it to 100. But I need your help. Email me at christmasattancast.com and tell me who you'd cast in a remake of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay, that's it for this time. Looking forward to seeing you for our Burr Months bonus episode. And until then, Yule Believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2022. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, Can't Wait for Christmas pod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Anyway, there was a young Frank. No, there was not a young Frank. I mean, yes, there was a young Frank, but that's not what I'm trying to say. The song became associated with Christmas. Christmas. Sucker Tash. The song became associated with Christmas. Oh, spit all over the mic. <laughs> Outtake was not worth it. But perhaps the version that is most associated is this. But perhaps the version that is most consoled. <laughs> Perhaps a version of my lips that work are available to me? No? Okay. In 2007, the humor website... I forgot to write the name of the humor website. I know it's funny or die, but I didn't bother writing it in the notes. Good thing I happen to know. Good thing there's not a separate person who writes the script and reads the show, because uh, they'd be lost. In 2012, Key and Peele did a sketch singing a song called Just Stay for the Night, which sounded very similar to Baby It's Cold Enough. No, not cold enough. It's Baby It's Cold Enough outside. It'll be fine. We can make a snowman. Which sounded very similar to Baby It's Sold Out. It's sold outside. Baby It's Sold Outside. So don't even bother. Don't even put a bid in. It's already sold outside. It's a song about real estate. No? Okay.
where I made a passing reference to Baby It's Cold Outside as the blurred lines of the color. <laughs> I messed up on the second to last word of the sentence. It's such a long sentence. <laughs>